Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. talked about undistracted devotion to God and I said that devotion is a, a matter of the heart so I want to continue this week and I'm going to talk about developing a heart for God developing a heart for God you know because I'm going to talk about some things that we can do to develop that heart and some things to watch out for to guard against that hinders us from uh, developing, a heart, developing a heart for God. Because we live in a society today that is obsessed with the outer appearance. There are, we spend numerous hours and money in a gym. There's always some kind of diet that we can try. Billions of dollars are spent each year in the health and fitness industry. And when I was studying this, I found out that one of the fastest growing industry in this country is plastic surgery. Now, when I was growing up, you heard of women having facelift. But now, today, it's completely off the chain. They have lip injection, breast lift, breast implant, breast reduction, tummy tucks injections in the hip and the butt. And I read this article about um, R&B singer. And you know, she was in good shape. She had a nice big butt. Down south, we said booty. <laughs> and so because the circle that she was in, she thought in her mind, the bigger, the better. So she had injections put in her butt. She had the breast implant. And lo and behold, she became so sick, those injections in her butt began to leak out and go in her bloodstream. And she tried to find a doctor, and no one wanted to touch her in case she died and they would be liable. So she finally found a doctor to remove all of those chemicals and whatever else there was from her body. You know, and my daughter-in-law said, <laughs> I like to look at the Housewives of Atlanta. She said, Ratchet TV. <laughs> and so when I was looking at it, at first I'm so naive. I'm going, why is all the women in Atlanta got butts like that? And my daughter said, Mom, they're not real. You know, I didn't know. I thought, mm, they something's in the water down there. <laughs> I really didn't know that they were doing that like that. But everybody on that show had big butts. I'm going, whoa. Anyway, so we're always searching for, for that perfect body. And, but God has a different standard for us. If you go with me to 1 Samuel 16 and 7, 1 Samuel 16 and 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outer appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
So his standard is to look on the heart. Now let me tell you some background about this verse to keep it in context so you'll know how, what was going on. Now Samuel, no, Saul had disobeyed God, and so God told Samuel to go and find another man to take his place to be king of Israel. And so what Saul had did, God, he was, Saul was in war with the Amaleks, and God told him to go in and to kill all the men, the women, the children, and the infants, and don't take any of the spoil. So Saul and his man, men go in. They killed the people off, but he saved the king, and he took the king back with him to where he was, and also they took the spoil some of the spoil back. And so when Samuel was dealing with Saul about this, he said, Samuel said, what is that I hear? Do I hear the sheep bleeding? Do I hear the oxen? What have you done, Saul? And Saul tried to excuse it, uh, make an excuse. He says, oh, I brought the best back so I can make sacrifices unto the Lord. And the Lord said he wanted obedience instead of sacrifices. And so Samuel said, bring me the king. And so the, he brought the king to Samuel. Samuel took a sword and sliced that joker up. You know, God said, don't bring any of that back. And so Saul was being dethroned because of his disobedience. Amen. 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 Now, don't misunderstand me. I have nothing against physical fitness and being in shape. As a matter of fact, I think it's a plus, especially when you're doing the work of the, of the kingdom, you're in shape, you're able to do that. Let's look at our first lady, Courtney. She's lost that weight, looking good, looking younger. She, she testifies of all the energy she has now. Her knees don't hurt. So there is profit in being in physical good shape. But we should also remember God's standard. And so, Sam, so God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house and find a king. So he goes and he, he tells Samuel to bring his son. And so Samuel, I mean, uh, Jesse and Jesse brings Eliab and Saul, Samuel. He didn't even speak it, but he thought it. He said, when he saw Eliab, he said, oh, the anointing must be on him with him. And that's when God said, no, don't look upon his appearance. It doesn't matter what he looked like. He must have been good looking because he said his height, he must have been tall. Don't look on the height of his stature. He said, I have rejected him. He is not the one. You're looking on his outer appearance, Samuel, but I'm looking at the heart. So God looks at the heart. And so finally, when he went down the lines of Jesse's son, he brought in David, and God told him, that's the one. Anoint him. David is the next king for Israel. He's going to take Saul's place. So God has a different standard than us. See, man places a high price on the external, but God looks deep within us. He wants more. He's trying to find more out of our heart. He critiques our heart. And critique means to do a detailed analysis and assessment of something. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for a heart after him. Last week I talked about if God just glanced, the word says he 
glances, if he gets a glance of our heart, we captivate his heart. So it benefits us to have a heart after God. Now, we all know that David was considered the man after God on own heart. His heart was right. And David was this, the Bible said he was ruddy, which would mean he was reddish in color. He was skinny. He became the king of Israel. He was a man whom Samuel sought and found to succeed Saul. He was a mighty warrior. He was a great general, inspired leader. He was a successful businessman, and he was a skilled marksman. You know, anytime you can take a smooth stone and sling it and hit the giant right in the middle of his head, you have skills. He had some skills. And he was a gifted psalm writer. And David had all these things going for him. But the thing that impressed God the most was his heart. God says in Acts 13.22, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will carry out all my will. And that was the thing that caught God's eye. He's looking for a heart that's, a, that's obedient, a heart that will do his will. David allowed God to mold and to fashion his heart into that which would please him. And that should be our cry, church. Are we allowing God to mold and to fashion us into that person he desires, that person that will follow him, that person that will do his will? Is your heart pliable? See, God is more concerned with our character and our integrity than he is with our outer appearance. You and I can develop a heart for David. It's not as hard as it seems. But let me talk about some of the things that hinder our hearts from being after God, because God tells us to guard our heart. He said, of all else, guard your heart, for it's the source of life. So if God is saying, protect your heart and watch what comes into your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're allowing all this junk into your heart, it's going to come out. And what, what is coming out of your mouth? Is it Praising your Lord, worshiping God, or is it gossip? We need to develop a heart for God, and we have to guard our heart. Now, I call these the five S's. I'm going to talk about things that hinder our heart. And the first S is sin. Sin hardens our heart to the things that really matter, the things of God. And it's like when we allow sin in, our heart become hardened and black, like a chain smoker who, lungs who have been destroyed from all the smoke that they inhaled. God, when we sin, it separates us from God. But you know what? God made a way through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that when we sin, we can get right and continue on our journey 
of worshiping God and developing a heart for God. The second S is stress. Now, we all know what stress can do to you. Stress breaks down a heart by placing unnecessary demands on it, and the heart begins to crumble under certain pressure. And we fail to recognize the power that has been made available to us to prevent all this stress and anxiety. And that power that is made available to us to prevent and anxiety and stress is his word and the blood of Jesus. God tell us to be anxious for nothing, no thing. The third S is sloth, slothfulness. Sloth dries up the heart with inactivity, laziness, and lack of service. See, the heart is like love, and it functions to its full capacity as it pumps out service to others. The fourth S is selfishness. And selfishness shrinks the heart where there's only room for three. Me, myself, and I. That's what selfishness is about. It's about itself and no one else. Now, the fifth S is success. Now, hold on. Just go with me for a minute. Now, success crowds out the heart with things and signs of their, of, of their accomplishment. It tends to puff the heart up with counterfeit accolades that say, look what I've done. I have uh, earned that promotion. I went in and I did my thing and, and I earned that promotion. You know, and people get lost climbing up the ladder of success. And when they climb there, sometimes they get to the top and they are, they've done their thing. That's why we hear of people committing suicide. Just this year, there was a, a well-known designer, yes, talk about it. Kate Spade. That's right. She was at the top of her game, mm -hmm. and you would think she had it together. But she committed suicide. And within that same time period, there was another guy, a well-known chef, at the top of his career and committed suicide. The thing about stress, I mean success, if you fail to realize that God is the one who allowed you to, be, to get that promotion. God is the one who gave you that raise. You know, all those blessings come from the Lord. And so we have to develop a heart for God. And it means concerning our hearts with what God is concerned about, with doing his will. And as we do that, we develop a heart for God. Now, I want to look at David's life, maybe to see what we can learn from him since he was a man after God's own heart. So try, we're trying to get some insight from that. Now, without a doubt, David was successful. In 1 Samuel 18 and 14, it says, And David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord, for the Lord was with him. And in 1 Samuel 18 and 5, it says, David was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. So David was so successful that the people made up songs about him. They said Saul killed a thousand, but David killed tens of thousands, not 10,000, but tens 
of thousands. He was so successful that it drove Saul crazy with jealousy and envy, and he sought to kill him, but he couldn't. So we learn from David. The first thing we learn from David is that you can be successful and still have a heart for God because you know how to keep things in check. When you begin to climb that ladder, you realize that God is the one who's given you that promotion. And so the way we keep success in check is that we humble ourselves. You know, and humility is not loneliness. It's not being a doormat for anybody to walk over you. It means you, you know that grace and mercy on you is from God, and God has blessed you to be successful, and God has blessed you to accomplish all those things that comes with success. Because God is the ultimate source of all of our blessings. Amen? <clears throat> now, David is known for many things, but one of his greatest feats or accomplishments w was with writing the majority of the book of Psalms. And like I said last week, I could imagine David on the hill tending his, his sheep and all the expressive words that he put in the Psalms to his heavenly father. And one of my favorite is Psalms 34 and 3. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. This morning, that's what the praise and worship team was doing. They were exalting the Lord. They were magnifying the Lord. And it's a beautiful thing when we can do that together. And throughout the Psalms, you find David worshiping God. You find him repenting. You find him praising God. You find him lifting up the name of Jesus. So the antidote to selfishness is the exaltation of God. If you want to get out of your selfishness, begin to praise God. Begin to exalt God. Selfishness shrinks the heart. But exaltation of God expands the heart. It makes room for God to come in. It makes room for our lovely Savior. Amen? Now, the antidote for sloth is to be available. Make yourself available to God, whatever he needs you to do. You know, just like when I read a few minutes ago when he said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. So we have to make ourselves available. You know, some people say, says uh, God wants our ability more than he wants our availability. Well, I say he wants both. Because if how can you be give God your ability and not be available to him. So God needs both. He needs your ability and he needs your availability. God knew he could call, count on things, count on David, I'm sorry. God knew he could count on David. 
you know, even through the thick and thin and the easy time and the hard time, God could count on David. In Acts 13 and verse 36, it says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. See, David completed the task God had for him. God had assigned him. He completed it, and then he died and went on to be with the Lord. Like I said, the antidote for sloth is service. Are you available for him? Have you made yourself available for him? How can you develop a, a heart for God and not be willing to do what he says? You know, I read this story about this young man, and when he was growing up, they had wells back in the day. People had wells in their front yard. And so, and as time went on with his family, they were able to replace the kerosene heater with electricity and to replace the well with running water in the house. And so they, they shut up the well. And so years later, this young man was thinking, he was reminiscing on his childhood and how that well water tastes, how fresh it was and how pure it was. And so his family still owned, it, owned the house, so he went back to that vacation house to see the well and to drink of the well. And so he had it uncovered, and to his surprise, there was no water there. And it puzzled him because he thought, there should be water there. Nobody's drank from the well in years. What happened to the water? So he began to invest, investigate, and he talked to different engineers and so forth, and come to find out that type of well that they had, it consisted of rivulets. So the well had different rivulets, and water would stream into the rivulets and into the well. So they had to go, the water had to go through the rivulets first. And so what happens is when you drink from the well, when you take water from the well, the rivulets allow water to come back in. And if you stop drinking from the well, those rivulets become blocked and there's no water in the, in the well. And so that is, that's how our heart is. It's like that well, and it dries up inside if the living water of God does not flow into it. Unless we go to the well often and regularly, we will find that our hearts begin to dry up. So we have to go often and regularly to the well, to the water, the living water of God, to avoid that drought in our hearts. Amen? So the antidote for sin is repentance. Now, when we repent, that's a way to develop our heart for God. Because when we sin, we know right away. If you're a born-again Christian, you know that you've sinned, and you know the Word of God says. So if we repent, really turn away from that sin. God is not looking for someone to say, oh God, I repent, I repent, and do the same thing the next week or the, that same day. That's not repentance. You have to turn away from that. Let it go and turn to God. 
Amen. One thing I like about the Bible is, is that it doesn't cover up people's sin and their shortcoming. It tells us, you know, we read the story about David. David was no exception. You know, one of his low points in his life was when he had that adulterous affair with Bathsheba and then killed, had his, her husband killed. You know, David was a great sinner, but he also was a great repenter. And we can learn that from David, that we, we're going to sin. We have sinned, and we're going to sin. And, but we have to be quick to repent it, repent of that sin and develop that heart and, and allow God to develop our heart. But he can't develop it if it's full of sin. Now, when you read Psalms 51, it's like a confessional statement of David's life. You know, he sinned desperately, and he desperately wanted not to sin. He desperately wanted forgiveness. So I've learned from David that you don't have to be perfect to have a heart for God. God knows all about our heart. He knows what's in there. David prayed to God in Psalms 51, Lord, God, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. That was David's heart cry. God, create in me a clean heart. And that should be our cry. When we cry to God, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Now, how do you renew a right spirit within you? It's through the word of God. David desperately wanted a heart clean before God. And he represents a person who devotes their life to God. And you can see all in the Psalms, he's crying out to God, you know, and he's worshiping God. He's repenting and he's making himself available to God. Now, I talked about stress, the antidote to stress is trusting God. Because if you put your trust in God, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what the situation might be, that you are making your, your heart available to God, God is, can still work with you as you're going through that stressful situation. But you must trust God. And when you can truly trust God through it, you're on your way of having a heart towards God. Trusting in the living God, that's what David did. That was his antidote for stress. And you can imagine he had constant stress. You know, from the time that Saul pursued him, trying to kill him, from the time he became king of Israel, you know, they endure, he endured wars, he endured giants, famine, and so forth as he was king of, king of Israel, but he knew his God. He put his trust in God. The battles of life will come, but we are to use it to bring us closer to God, to, to draw our hearts toward God. And so when these things come up in our life, don't allow them to push you away from God, but run to God. Give him your heart and your concerns. And he will guide you and lead you and bring you out. You know, there's no situation that you're dealing with that God hasn't provided a way out of.
Amen. Amen. So the five S's are sin, stress, sloth, selfishness, and success. These things can hinder your heart from being developed as a heart after God. Now, the answer to these things, the answer to sin is repentance. When we have a repentance heart, our heart is being molded toward God. Now, the antidote for stress is trusting God. When you can trust God, you're putting your heart in his hand and he's molding you. The answer for sloth is service. Service unto God, making yourself available for, to do God's will. The fourth is exaltation of God. Lifting your Lord up, knowing he has brought you out of this situation. And the antidote for success is humility. Humbling yourself to be that servant. Humbling yourself to say, God, have your way, your will in my life, God. Do what you want to do through us and in us. And that's what I had to share today. And I don't know about you, but my heart's cry is, God, it's yours, no matter what. And I would love to pray with you all if, you have, if you're ready to make that commitment. If you're ready to say, God, mold and make and fashion my heart into that which you want so I can please you. And, it's, it, and that's what it's about, being obedient to God, pleasing God above all else. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for molding and fashioning our hearts after you, Father, so that we may please you, Father. God, we are needed, needy people, God. We need you in our lives for every situation, in every circumstance, God. We recognize that you are the only one who brings success to us, Father. You are the one who bless us with those promotions and those bonuses and those pay raises, Father, and leading us to the right job, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. And we repent of every sin that we've done, Father, known and unknown. And God, we trust in you that you'll forgive us, Father. We believe that you'll forgive us, Father. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Lord. And God, help us not to be slowful, Father. Help us not to be slowful, God. Help us to be available for you, God, for the work of the kingdom, Lord. And God, we thank you, Lord, that we would give you all our stress and anxiety, Father. God, we're anxious for nothing but in all things with prayer and supplication. We make our needs known unto you, Father. And we thank you, God, you provided a way for us, God, for you are the way, Lord. And we thank you for molding our hearts this day, Father a heart towards you, Father, a heart that's willing to do your will, God, a heart that says, here am I, Lord, have your way. We're available to you, God, and we thank you for the ability, God, for the availability 
to do your will, God. We just want to please you, Father. We desire to please you, God. We desire to bless you, Lord. We exalt your name this day, God. We say bless your holy name, God, for you're worthy to be praised, God. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you, God. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless your holy name, God. You're so worthy of praise, God. We count it an honor just to praise your name, God. We thank you for being in the midst of us. God, we thank you, Lord, that no a problem is too hard for you, God. And, Lord, we thank you that we can do all things through you, Father. God, we bless you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.